Welcome to Ing Podcast, a production of Menno Media's Leader Magazine. Our world is increasingly complex, fast-paced, and divided. How are people of faith bringing their best selves to the world each day? How are we leading, growing, and being as people of God? Ing Podcast is a place to share insights and stories from individuals creatively engaging the present and moving into the future. On today's episode, I'm joined by Cedric Martin, a minister, director, actor, and producer for the company Theater of the Beat. Theater allows us and gives us that, that uh, I don't want to say excuse, but reasoning for uh, bringing up these challenging conversations sometimes. You might not be able to do that in just one sermon every Sunday, but in a, in a play, you can uh, approach all these different conversations. And then through the talkback and through having... Uh, resources available, we're able to sort of equip our, our audience members so they feel more ready to approach some of these difficult conversations and things that come up. We'll talk more with Cedric about what it means to create a theater company that is creating conversations around social justice and faith. Welcome to Ing Podcast. I'm Ben Weidman. I'm really excited today to be sitting down with Cedric Martin. Cedric is part of Theater of the Beat. He's the artistic producer of that uh, network and organization. Cedric is here to talk with us just a little bit about what it is like to be creating um, theatrical kinds of art um, in a sort of theological headspace um, coming out of the Peace Church tradition. And I'm really excited for this conversation Cedric, I'm sure that there is so much more to you than uh, that very, very brief bio. How do you introduce yourself? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, firstly, thanks for having me here, Ben. Uh, it's great to be on the podcast. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm the artistic producer here at Theatre of the Beat. Uh, that can kind of break down to uh, a few different things, but uh, I, I do things that traditionally a general manager might do or uh, and some other companies, CEO, CFO, those kinds of things. Uh, we we wear a lot of hats here at Theater of the Beat, and that helps yeah. keeps us keeps us grassroots, I guess. Um, so uh, yeah, that's sort of how I introduce myself. But also with within this context of the the topics and the podcast, I, I also work at Toronto United Mennonite Church. I'm a, a ministry team member for youth and children, so I work with with creating youth programming there. Um, so. Uh, in my day-to-day, I'm thinking about a lot of different things, I guess. Yeah, oh, cool. I know just a little bit about Theatre of the Beat um, because I hail from Southern Ontario and I have some connections with uh, Canadian Mennonites who would be um, very aware of Theatre of the Beat, but Mm -hmm. our American listeners may or may not know about Theatre of the Beat. Can you start by telling us just a little bit about um, how long the organization has been going on and uh, what its origin story is? Totally. So Theatre of the Beat began in uh, 2011 uh, here in southwestern Ontario, like you said, Ben. Uh, it was started by four different uh, founding members. Uh, today we have uh, some of those founding members still as part of our, our core company. So Johnny Weidman um, and Kimberly Walker are both still with the company today. Okay. Uh, and what we do is we create Uh, social justice theater. Uh, And so we try to uh, sort of create these conversations and not just on stage, but also afterwards. And so we do that through different methods like uh, different talkbacks or we have like our upcoming show, we have uh, an idea of forum theater where it allows 
audience members to sort of rehearse for reality. Um, and so it's not just about showing up for watching a show and you go home and you can forget about it. It's, it's allowing us to really think about topics that are uh, at the forefront of our minds these days. I love that. Um, was there a, a cultural void that um, the sort of founders were feeling that um, required creating a social justice theater company? Was there was there something that they were feeling was missing um, mm. out in the world? Yeah, I mean, I, I can only speak so much for, for what they were thinking at the time, but they, they sort of uh, were inspired by the Beatnik generation, and that's sort of yeah. where our name comes, Theater of the Beat. Um, and so thinking about... Uh, there's sort of two different philosophies when you're thinking of the the beatnik movement and the the origins of that. So there's poet Allen Ginsberg who believed that the word represented like a people who were beaten down or oppressed. Uh, and so that's sort of who we think about often when we're creating our shows. But then there's also a writer, um, Jack Gerwick, uh, who found the word to have a much more uh, spiritual connection, mm-hmm. um, describing radical group of people, and, and they were living out the teachings of the Beatitudes in unconventional ways. And so both of those sort of tie into sort of what what we do in at Theatre of the Beat. And, and also from the theatrical point, I should mention, uh, the word beat is often uh, a break or a pause, um, a sort of mm. rhythmic thing. Uh, and so we, we often think about that, too, uh, and put an emphasis towards that. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, why, why theater? Um, I, I guess I'm, I can make some assumptions as someone who's worked in traditional ministry spaces. Most of our theological conversations are conversations. They are, are people talking back and forth, either from a pulpit to a congregation or around a table or in our day-to-day lives. What does theater bring to um, theological or spiritual spaces? Yeah, I think theater allows for a conversation that sometimes we don't get into in our day-to-day or we don't necessarily always want to bring up. Um, and and I think that theater allows us and gives us that, that uh, I don't want to say excuse, but reasoning for uh, bringing up these challenging conversations sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, uh, one of our most toured shows was a show called Church Two, uh, which is a response to the Me Too movement, thinking mm-hmm. about... Mm-hmm. Um, sexual abuse, sexual assault, uh, and uh, a multitude of other things in the context of the church. And and how we addressed that show was we had a bunch of vignettes, a a bunch of smaller pieces that uh, created this larger show. And so each individual scene was sort of tackling a few different things, um, thinking about the patriarchal uh, systems that are in our church. Um, And so there was a lot of different ways that we could approach that. And and you might not be able to do that in just one sermon every Sunday, but in a a play, you can uh, approach all these different conversations. And then through the talkback and through having uh, resources available, we're able to sort of equip our, our audience members so they feel more ready to approach some of these difficult conversations and things that come up. I think what we're realizing in our um, increasingly polarized political world is that Mm. simple conversations often don't lead to uh, minds changing and, Mm -hmm. and especially argumentation almost seems to be solidifying our positions rather than opening us up to consider the other side. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if there's something about the storytelling capacity of theater that moves us beyond the sort of one up one upsmanship of, mm-hmm. um, of conversations right now. Uh, can you 
can you think back on on what it's been like to tour some of these shows? Uh, does that seem to resonate with you? Absolutely. So we had a show uh, called This Will Lead to Dancing, and and that show was talking about um, LGBTQ rights in the church um, and through sort of a, a method of protest. And uh, I think in our, like you say, Ben, in our conversations, we might not be able to sway someone's opinion, but when you're in a in a space where you're watching a show, the the social norm is not to be able to to walk out and to storm out. You make a bit of a scene if yeah. you do that. When you're yeah. sitting there in a theater and you're you're watching this show, you might have that hour and a half moment where you are actually able to live into potentially the other person's life. Um, and we don't really have a lot of that opportunity in our day to day to live in someone else's shoes like we talk about often right yeah. like um what what would it be like to be that person for an hour and you get to see that and um see what what their struggles are what they are dealing with and um yeah i think that that's another thing that theater really allows for is hearing these perspectives and these stories that aren't your own mm. I've been um, able to see a couple of uh, Theater of the Beat performances over the last few years. And one thing I've appreciated is the way that you make the audience feel like they are a part of the production. Um, it is, it's clear that there's some intentionality. It's not just uh, rows of chairs pointed at a mm -hmm. stage, but that often the actors and actresses will come out into the audience to engage across the audience or through the audience. Um, I wonder if that allows the people um, participating in your shows to feel like they are actually participating and not just their viewing. Um, can you say anything to that? Yeah. So uh, something that we really like to do is to try to find ways of having audience interaction and making it feel like they are uh, incorporated in the show. Uh, so an example that I can think of is uh, in our show, Yellow Bellies, uh, we enter, the actors enter from the exact same place that the audience enters from. So we come up through the audience, we're waving to the audience members, we're making it aware that we're acknowledging them, uh, sort of breaking down that fourth wall you might hear in theater terms. Um, right, right. And uh, something that we have been inspired by is... Um, Theater of the Oppressed, and that was a movement started by Augusto Boal, and this is the idea that um, you should break down a lot of walls, and and the actors and they're they're aware of the fact that an audience is there with them, and you're trying to bring them along into the story. Um, less of that sort of traditional theater you might think of, where they're very intentional about not acknowledging the audience whatsoever. Sure. Um, and so, an example of that is we use a technique called forum theater, which is where uh, I, I mentioned earlier, rehearsing for reality. So how this works is the show intentionally ends poorly or in the show, the characters make decisions that don't make a lot of sense to you or seem like the wrong thing to say. Mm. And then after the show is finished through working with a facilitator, uh, the audience has the opportunity to watch the show again and this time yell out stop anytime they see something that isn't going well. Mm. Uh, and then they can either themselves step into that scene and offer suggestions about how to uh, approach it differently, or they can make suggestions for the actor to change things and to have a better outcome. Um, and so this is actually a style of theater that we're using in our next show called Unmute. Um, it's going to look a little bit different because we're premiering this show uh, through video chats through zoom um mm. and we're going to have audiences watch the show uh and then they can either type out some options for the actors or they can unmute themselves uh, and call out stop and then 
act out the scene live on camera with uh, the actors themselves too. So uh, this this allows oh, the oh. audience to really get uh, engaged and and tackle some of these challenging conversations. So Unmute is dealing with the rise of uh, domestic violence and gender-based violence during the pandemic. We're going to take a quick break now to thank our sponsors and invite you to consider sponsoring Ing Podcast. You can also play a big part in helping us spread the word about this podcast by giving our new Facebook page a like and sharing your favorite Ing Podcast episodes with friends, encouraging them to subscribe and join this movement of leading, growing, and being as people of faith. Thank you for your continued support of this podcast. In challenging times, how do we prepare for tomorrow? Invest in the path ahead with hope and sharing, love and caring, and with help from Everence. Many of us are taking it day by day, step by step. How can we make room for financial strategies and the Holy Spirit to help guide us for the longer term? Financial services for a purpose. Visit us today at everence.com. You've referenced tackling uh, LGBT inclusions, mental health, and and some really uh, kind of heavy and challenging, as you said, top subject matters mm-hmm. that often don't find themselves in in institutionalized church spaces. Uh, I'm I'm wondering, uh, do you where do where do the ideas for these shows come from? Are you mm-hmm. tasked with building something out around certain subject matter by um, your supporters, or do you feel uh, a sort of sense of call to bring these issues to faith spaces or, or how do you decide which, which pathway to, to follow when you're coming up with some of these show ideas? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think when theater, the beat began, it was uh, sort of a feeling, a calling, a need to step and speak towards some of these subjects. But as Theatre of the Beat has grown, I would say most of our shows have actually been commissioned shows by uh, different community groups or or groups within the church. So, for example, um, our show Church 2, which was talking about um, sexuality or some different methods of patriarchy or the systems that are in place in our church context, was actually sponsored by the Area Church here in southwestern Ontario, uh, Mennonite Church, Eastern Canada. Um, And so we've had several commissions. um, And uh, this next show that we're working on on mute is actually also another commission um, with uh, some community groups in the Kitchener-Waterloo region of Ontario. and uh, so like some women's violence uh, groups or some shelters, they, they are all part of this larger group and this larger group called DART uh, and Crime Prevention. They've reached out to us and commissioned this show from us. It almost seems like these organizations are, are saying we don't have the words for these uh, mm-hmm. subjects. Help us out and, and use theater as that uh, vehicle for, for these topics. Well, and and it's it's almost a new method too. Is that like you can you can share a, a post on social media as much as you want, but if yeah. the message isn't being heard, uh, you sometimes need to find a new approach. And and we do that in the theater all the time. If if something's not working, we try to find a new way to approach it. Hmm. I I love that you are uh, still continuing to innovate in the midst of the pandemic. Can you talk about hmm. what COVID nineteen has done to um, a theater company? 
Yeah, so we were we were gearing up for a completely different show back in uh, February, March, uh, mm-hmm. called Sailor's Song, which is uh, an original musical dealing with peace. Um, and uh, so we were getting ready for a, a Western Canadian tour, uh, and then the pandemic hit, and uh, we we didn't feel that we could appropriately convert that show um, to something like Zoom or something like a podcast okay. or an audio drama uh, okay. because it's uh, this this family-friendly musical that really requires a lot of live elements um, and puppets. And so we decided that we would put a hold on that but not give up on it. And so we're hoping to do something in 2021, maybe an outdoor tour of it, actually. Mm. Um, but... Uh, what we what we ended up doing this year instead was well we became kind of busy I guess we we worked on converting our show Yellow Bellies into an audio drama uh, and that show uh, ironically also deals with peace um, it was talking about uh, Mennonite conscientious objectors during World War II mm. uh, primarily up here in Canada but um, there would be some parallels to uh, some conscientious objectors in the states. Um, but uh, we we decided on the audio drama format versus something like a Zoom show because you can record it in in four different places with four different actors, but then edit it all together and still have that really intimate feel that uh, we are trying to go for with our shows. Mm. So uh, we aren't able to have a talk back when you create a podcast in the same way, but we decided to create these study guides. Uh, and so churches can still have these conversations that we hope will come out of these shows, uh, but they can do it in their own sort of group context as like a um, an adult ed sort of thing or uh, even uh, as like a, a Zoom worship service and everyone watches and then has discussion afterwards. Or it could be a hybrid thing where some people are in person if you have like a smaller gathering and some people are listening in from uh, some different video conferencing programs. So uh, we've adapted that way. And then also with our, our next show, it's going to be a hybrid of both. We're going to have both an audio drama format of it and a live Zoom format of it. Wow. Uh, on your website, you can actually see um, where you your tours have, have been in the past. Um, and yeah. I think there are locations both in Canada and the U.S. and in both Mennonite and non-Mennonite contexts. I wonder <laughs> if you might spend a few minutes just talking about what it's like to perform some of these things that, that have these deep peace church roots um, to both Mennonites and non-Mennonites and, uh, you know, with a border in mind as well. Is there a different feeling when you're in the United States versus Canada? Yeah, so... We've uh, been very lucky that uh, we've had opportunities to perform in in places that are non-traditional theater spaces, I guess I would say. Um, So, for example, our one show, uh, we were able to tour into a lot of different um, uh, prisons, actually. So our show, um, Forgiven Forgotten, deals with restorative justice. And so the characters in that show um, are are, uh, dealing with the fact that... uh, uh, husband and wife, the husband is in prison and he's coming out of prison. The wife's been a, uh, newly attending this church. And how does the church welcome this sort of uh, person coming out of the prison system? Um, and initially it's with a bunch of harsh comments, I guess I would say, and, and okay. not an immediate welcoming. Um, but uh, it, it was a story that we could tell in the church context because we could say, hey, look at ways that we have been in the past apprehensive to welcoming people and how can we improve on that but then also we can um 
reach out to the the sort of prison context as well and mm-hmm. and talk about ways that we can uh, find restorative justice when we when we get out. Uh, we're also uh, able to do that more than just as a a touring piece. We right now work at Grand Valley Institute for Women, uh, a women's prison here in southwestern Ontario, and we create weekly theater workshops. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that right now during the pandemic due to COVID, but uh, previous, and we will continue, uh, we create uh, these workshops for these women where we have some work where they create the work themselves and some where uh, it's sort of, that's called devised, and then some that uh, we have like a pre-written play and we'll bring in, we'll talk about these things. Um, so I think we've been very mm-hmm. lucky in the sort of uh, spaces we've been able to perform. Uh, as to your question about the border, we've um, had some great shows that we've been able to tour and, and think about uh, these different contexts. Uh, for example, um, this will lead to dancing. The show talking about LGBTQ rights uh, can look a little different in Canada versus down in the States and um, depending on what the state laws are uh, or depending on what the church, uh, the area church believes or what their yeah. stance is, um, or it might look different in a, in a Mennonite church versus a Mennonite brethren church, or uh, we have uh, some different feedback that we'll get. Uh, so it does depend sort of where we are. Uh, unfortunately, we've had a, a bit of challenge crossing the border the last two years. Um, mm. We're hoping uh, if... if uh, the, the border doesn't stay as strict. We're able to tour, but luckily with, with actually something that's come out of the pandemic is with online shows or with podcasts and audio dramas, we're able to more easily reach our audience base in the States, yeah. um, having more options for them. Wow. Um, you know, when you think of a theater company, you, you think about touring shows, you've already expressed uh, sort of the audio drama and uh, these Zoom shows. But I think you have some other um, sort of project pathways uh, as well that you're considering. Can you talk more about what is to come for Theatre of the Beat? Yeah. So uh, in the month of November, uh, we're partnering with uh, Skylight Festival, which is uh, this outdoor festival in the summer normally. Uh, And we're working on some uh, different workshops that are dealing with sort of some of the themes that we talked about in uh, Church 2. So some healthy boundaries. Mm. Um, And so we're, we're uh, recreating workshops that we normally have done in school contexts or in church context, and we're creating them for a Zoom context um, as well. Right now, we're, we're just starting up this new project um, with a book called Peaceful at Heart. Uh, and this book deals with uh, Anabaptist reflections on healthy masculinity. And this okay. book was uh, created as a partnership between Mennonite Men USA and Canada. Uh, and so this one Uh, I'm very excited about. I'll be starting up this interview series with um, the 19 different contributors of this book. Um, So there'll be some uh, additional content to go along with the book, but I'm also going to be recording this as um, an audiobook. So it'll hopefully be able to reach even more people um, and, and share these stories of uh, what healthy masculinity can look like in the Anabaptist context and what uh, unhealthy masculinity has looked like and and thinking about a lot of these different topics. And um, there's, there's a lot of different um, voices in this book. Um, and I can share some of the, the chapter titles. So there's 
different perspectives from um, the title of an African-American man, a Latino man, an indigenous man, an Asian man, a gay man. These, these are all different titles of the, the chapters in the book. And so um, it, it's, it's really interesting to hear from so many different voices wow. um, here in Canada and in the United States. Wow. I, I wonder for you, maybe specifically, Cedric, as someone who uh, is employed by a congregation, mm-hmm. what has touring these shows taught you about church? And mm-hmm. um, and what does a vision for the future church look like having gone through this experience? Yeah, I mean, uh, community has to be at the forefront. And um, I think... Yeah, conversations that can come out of these uh, different shows and also in in a smaller context. And I think what's really interesting is that um, people will watch the same show and we might do it the same way uh, 20 different times. And then in those 20 times, we might get 20 different responses from the audience uh, and in these different congregations and what really stands out to them. Um, for example, when I was touring with Yellow Bellies, we'd uh, occasionally have shows where um, we had conscientious objectors there watching the show or family members of conscientious objectors. Mm. Uh, they would share, wow, that's what my father went through. He, he had a lot wow. of shame around this and he wouldn't share what happened when he got back or he wouldn't talk about it as I was growing up. So this is really, really great of you to be able to put these stories out there. Um, and, and with that show specifically, we had, um, what we call verbatim theater. So we interviewed conscientious objectors and we kept their words word for word as sort of monologues that would, uh, come out through the show. And so I would read, or I would perform verbatim what the, these actual conscientious objectors were thinking about, reflecting on their life. Um, so it was, uh, really cool to have that, uh, conversations and that opportunity to be, uh, there with them and thinking about them. I feel like there's a lot of other directions our conversation could go, but, um, (laughs) I'm really, uh, just, just thrilled that you were able to come and, and share this all with us. If people want to learn more about theater of the beat, um, support your work, find a show, um, invite you to their church, where can they find you? Yeah, we can be found on theaterofthebeat.ca. Uh, it might be a little hard for our American friends to sp- find us. We we spell with a Canadian spelling of theater, so that's T-H-E-A-T-R-E, not E-R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but if you Google us, I'm sure you'll find us, theaterofthebeat.ca. Um, and yeah, we have uh, lots of opportunities right now with uh, this online world where it's it's very accessible and we try to keep uh, costs as low as possible so that you can um, have us in your communities. Uh, or if you're interested in something more uh, for yourself as an individual, we have our new audio drama Yellow Bellies is available for personal download for a much more affordable price than um, what a church might have to pay. Um, or if you're interested in our upcoming show on mute, you can check that out um, and be thinking about the uh, impact that uh, a pandemic has on on gender-based violence and and domestic violence and what resources you might have. So we're hoping to do a bit of a virtual tour of that show. Um, so if you're interested in bringing that show to your community, we we partner with local agencies so that you have the resources in your communities to to really feel empowered to know what what are my next steps, what is what's mm-hmm. available to me, um, what's in my area, who do I call if I suspect. Uh, a friend is going through these things. So, um, yeah, if you reach out to me, you can also email me directly. I'm, I'm totally 
happy to have that. Uh, Cedric at theaterofthebeat.ca is my email, uh, but you can also find that on the website. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us, Cedric. Um, I wonder if you'd like to come back on the show another time to talk more. Absolutely. I would love to do that. Thanks, Ben. Wonderful. Thanks again for being here with us. And thanks for sharing your story with our Ing podcast audience. Thank you. As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who continue to support Ing Podcast. We'd like to thank Everence, a faith-based financial services organization, for their ongoing support of Ing Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends. Do you have a topic or someone you think should be interviewed on Ing Podcast? Let us know by emailing theing at menomedia.org. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Today's show was produced by me, Ben Weidman. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org.